your eyes peeled. I think I saw something. Stop worrying, we'll be fine. Secret Wars. Prepare for battle. Choose a side in the Clone Wars. Welcome to Prattle World. I am your host, the ever-amazing, ever-spectacular Spider-Dan. And in this podcast, I spotlight entertainment's best-kept secrets that a mainstream audience may find boring. And welcome to Clone Wars, where two similar movies clash to be crowned champion. Two films go in, and only one comes out. And I thought... For my very first Star Wars episode, I had to do the format, which is named after a Star Wars film, and I needed a dark overlord from a galaxy far, far away, and I've got him. I've brought him on to unleash his dark side, his furious rage at a couple of forgotten Star Wars films. (laughs) Welcome back, Angry Andy Reviews. Hello, sir. (laughs) Hello! What have you done? (laughs) What have I done? Um, I have decided that I needed to look at some forgotten Star Wars movies, and these ones are much maligned, much forgotten, much... uh, Everyone kind of, like, puts that up to one side and goes, that's not what I call Star Wars! (laughs) Uh, And it is... uh, They're known as uh, the uh, Ewok Adventure or Caravan of Courage um, or Star Wars Caravan... You could put Star Wars on it, but probably you don't want the Star Wars label on these. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, and that... And then we're also going to be looking at... Battle for Endor as well, another Ewok adventure, um, released very almost back to back, and we're going to compare them. They are se- they are direct sequels to each other, but we're going to look at them for their own for their own merits. I think this is the first time I've looked at a, a direct sequel in a comparison in a Clone Wars, yeah, so it's going to be interesting. Um, but we're going to do our best. First of all, Andy, you are a huge Star Wars fan. You know, I just am. just looking at the back, you've got all your lightsabers up, all your figures out, your Boba Fett helmet, you know, all this stuff. Um, how did you feel? Had you seen these before? I, I had had a very long time ago when I was young and naive, I suppose. Um, I, remember, I remember watching them when I was a kid. I think, I don't think I ever owned them, but I think... I went round to a friend's house and watched them on his VHS tape. And I told my mum about them and she said, they're not Star Wars. <laughs> so I don't, I don't, I don't think she believed they actually exist. And that was that must have been about 1996, I think. Hmm. About nine. And she was like, they're, they're, that doesn't exist. They're not real. Hmm. So I don't know what she thought I'd been watching. But I, again, I kind of went, oh, yeah, they mustn't have been Star Wars. Yeah, it must, have been, must have been some other teddy bear. Yeah, it must have been some other thing, yeah. But, yeah, 
they do exist and oh god they do exist <laughs> they do exist um <clears throat> so the reasons before we go on to the first film caravan of courage clearly the uh, clearly these ewoks have never been on a, a family holiday with my family because that is a caravan of courage i can tell you <laughs> Uh, so before we get started, I'm just going to list the reasons for comparisons of the two films. Obviously, they are direct sequels, uh, but they're both uh, Star Wars films uh, produced after Return of the Jedi for ABC. So they were produced for television. And both follow Sindel Tuani and her family's adventures on the forest moon of Endor. Forest uh, being key. Keep that in mind, folks. Yeah, remember, remember, Forrest. We've got we've got things to talk about. Um, both films won Emmys for outstanding special effects and were nominated for one more as well. Uh, neither film can be found on Disney Plus. Surprise, surprise. Uh, and both are considered the absolute worst, other than the holiday special of any Star Wars media. Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and these were theatrical, theatrically released overseas as films, as full films, but in America they were shown on television. So let's just get stuck in, Andy. Let's just get stuck in and let's talk about Caravan of Courage. Could you um, try and sum up the plot of Caravan of Courage for me? So, yeah, I mean, I looked at the official plot synopsis and found it quite hilarious. So in the immediacy, it says, in the, on the forest moon of Endor, forest moon of Endor, <laughs> the Tawani family star cruiser lies wrecked. The Tawani family, which uh, features Catherine, Jeremit, Mace and Sindel, are stranded. And after a couple of Ewoks attempt to kill them, they join forces with the children to help find their parents who have been taken by a large creature called a Gorax. Well, I think you've summed it up pretty well there. I did, I well, did, I did forget that the Ewoks do try to kill them. I, I forgot yes. that. Sp- yeah, the Ewoks try and kill the children immediately. Immediately, like there's a there's a scene where well, the scene is where they open, they find Sindel, who's a little girl, and it opens opens up like a cupboard in the Star Cruiser. Star Cruiser, Star Cruiser, crush. Uh, <laughs> 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 it's gonna be a long podcast. Uh, <laughs> So the second he opens it, there's a beat where he recognizes it's a human child. So he yeah. takes he takes a moment, then brandishes his knife, and then yeah, and then stops himself. I mean, we're just diving straight in here, aren't we? Yeah, that is yeah. a weird, weird kind of thing. Opens it up, opens up the cupboard, and she looks at him, this random Ewok, and then the Ewok looks at her, and then goes to throw the spear, and then stops. It's really weird. Mm. It's it's a bit a bit horrible. <laughs> like, like, I don't I don't understand the motivations. No, of but, that particular like beat. What? Why is there a beat? Why is there a beat where they look at each other, acknowledge they both exist, and then the Ewok goes, "Oh, I'm going to kill her." It sums up these films. They're weird. The beats don't work. Oh, they're just. You said maligned. I think these are cursed. Cursed media. Just ah, oh, they they just need to be found and buried like that ET Atari game. <laughs> Jesus. Um, originally, so so this was like we were saying, it was produced for ABC. Um, they came to George Lucas, and uh, Lucas just wanted to do like an hour special, but ABC made him stretch that out. Um, to a film length for the ad time and the ad space. 
the original idea was that he wanted Lucas wanted to make something for his daughter because she was a fan, I think she was a fan of Ewoks or teddy bears. You can act, it's uh, you can actually see in one of the map paintings. I didn't see it myself because I did check out a couple of times during this for these films. Um, but apparently, you can see Winnie the Pooh eating some honey in one of the map paintings. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I read that as well. I didn't see it myself. No. Uh, like you, there were many moments where my head just completely imploded, like an ATSD being hit by two giant logs. Oh, dear. But, but yeah, and uh, it was supposed to be based on Goldilocks and the Three Bears, obviously. Ewoks, yeah. very much like bears. So, yeah, and, and guess who he co-wrote it with? This should, this should be, this shouldn't be really that much of a yeah. surprise of the quality I, of the film. I knew the answer to this. And when I read it, I went, explains everything. He wrote it with his nanny, the, <laughs> na- the nanny of his children, of George Lucas's children. He co-wrote these with the nanny of his children. I mean, sure, keep it in the family, but my God. Mm. The, yeah. Like when, when I, when I, that was one of the first bits of information I heard and I went, okay, this is already in trouble. This is already yeah. in trouble. I mean, I can, I can understand it because it, it goes back to sort of like, you know, you know, the idea of old writing where they, you know, they looked at the children and came up with the ideas by looking at how the children play and whatever and all this. So I can get, I get it. I get the idea, but oh, as, as we discussed prior to recording, the execution of every single portion of these films is just bad. And it stems right from the beginning. And that's the beginning. It's just poor decisions. Yeah. But George Lucas wanted to take more effective and stringent control of these TV movies after the horrible reception of the holiday special. Hmm. So he was determined to have it all come from him through ILM and all this, which just makes this even more bizarre even more weird. I think it's it's just it's an exercise in possibly him just being uh, having too much hubris in his own creative process. Tony Farina on on Twitter he said, "Was this the beginning of the end for George Lucas? Was the signs before the horrible prequel we got? The horrible prequels we got? You know whether you oh, like them yeah. or not." Jum- jumping the shark is this? Yeah, that was it. That's that's what he said. Or yeah. was there some, was there somewhere in the original trilogy well we're doing the questions early aren't we but going going to that point um i don't think george lucas jumped at the shark anywhere in the original trilogy there's a few moments in hindsight where you go oh okay but i think that's more to do with when they did the reimaginings and added extra scenes i think you kind of like uh you've just done too much yeah originally no but i do think here it's not necessarily jumping the shark so much as just making terrible decisions. Just it's just terror. It's just a terrible decision for you know to create these to create the holiday special. You know the thing. The thing is as well. Like if if the like he wanted to make this and he wanted to take better control, but he still much like the holiday special because of ad time, he had to extend it and make it this huge thing when he just wanted it to be you know short, concise, complete yeah. instead of all this random crap you know again it's a very it was only like he's written it with his nanny with the nanny um yeah. you know it's only it's a very simple short straightforward story i think you could have told this in like half an hour really um, oh definitely definitely i mean the, these would have been i mean if you were going to make sort of like okay let's just go back if they were going to make an ewok tv series half an hour episodes and all that you could easily fit one one of these films into a half an hour episode and build from there 
And it probably would have been much more effective to do that rather than to force feed in and shoehorn in half the stuff that's in these films. And also, like, it's like the holiday special. Why use characters that can't speak? I, I, I just... Yeah. Like, that's your first hurdle, and that's a massive hurdle to get over. In this film, they try and do a kind of David Attenborough-style wildlife documentary voiceover. Oh, yeah, and then they drop that completely in the in the second one. Yeah, and it, the narrator thing just is... He, he barely narrates anything as well. It's really weird. Hmm. It's probably about five, ten minutes of narration, if that. <laughs> it, it, just, it takes you out of the film, and then... Again, it doesn't. Oh, it just doesn't fit. It's bizarre. It's absolutely bizarre. But again, like you said, that's like the major issue of having characters that don't speak and then having characters that can't understand them. So the great thing about like the original trilogy was you've got you've got Chewbacca who speaks his own language, but you have characters around him that understand him and then say lines of dialogue that affirm what he's saying hmm. and react to what he's saying so that we understand what he's saying in these films none of that happens so we're just going well, the initial sort of 10-15 minutes of this film where the Ewoks are talking to each other and whatever we're like what's going on what what what, what are they doing what are they doing oh that's funny he fell down the cliff what, what's going on oh oh the, the 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 little flying machine's gone accidentally oh that's funny and then the narrator goes He's going to find his son who's lost in the forest. Oh. And you're like, oh, is he? I didn't know that. That's fun. Well, thanks for telling it's me. <laughs> <laughs> and again, like you said, it's really it's intermittent. It's not consistent because you've got these human characters going, I think they want us to be their friends. They don't want to hurt us. Um, I'm, I'm going to talk about the, act, the acting now because... Oh, God, yeah. You know... Fair, fair play to the child actors. You know, they've they've clearly given them their all, but it's not very good and it's not very no. strong. To be fair, I don't I don't think the acting in general is very yeah. good. I mean, yeah. uh, spoiler alert, they recast the dad in the second one. <laughs> but he's only he's only in it for like a minute in the second one, but they recast a very familiar actor in the second one. I cannot remember his name right now. Got it on my list down here somewhere. Yeah. But they I think they probably paid a small fortune to get this slightly bigger named actor into the second one for yeah. about 30 seconds of screen time. But in the yeah. first one, the acting is so terrible from all parties. Kids, you can forgive child actors. To a, to a point. To, to a, a point. point, yeah. I mean, a lot of time, good writing and good direction, good editing really helps a child actor. So like the kid from Sixth Sense, Brilliant editing, brilliant direction. That's how you make it work. And then you look at episode one and Phantom Menace and all that, and you go, okay, uh, possibly was undone by really terrible writing and, you know, shoddy editing, you know, just to cover up some of the cracks. And then you look at these and you go, oh, God, they just didn't know when to stop filming, did they? Just put the camera on and go. Just just let, yeah. it, let it run. It just exposes them. It just exposes them to, you know, essentially they're just clearly in some woods being told, oh, just play play with Wicket for a second. And you can see them just looking around. Like they're, they're baffled. Yeah, yeah they're Especially the girl in this first one. She's baffled a lot of the time. She's absolutely baffled. Yeah. And it's left up to the guy who plays Mace just to fill in the gaps emotionally and but even but even he and it like the the writing is, does not help i think no. i think i think lucas is really guilty of telling people that have the characters 
exposit how they're feeling as opposed to showing it. Like he's like, you know, you're breaking my heart, Anakin. You know, all that yeah. sort of shit. I mean, we didn't we didn't have that in the original trilogy. So in a few years after Return of the Jedi, you can already you can already see the precursor for the original for the prequels, whereby his writing is explain it, explain it, explain it, explain it, explain it, rather than showing it. Like, like, and it probably explains why we've got so many, you know, political, you know, trade negotiations and shit like that. Yeah. Um, when you know we probably could have just gone, oh, this is what just happened in that that council meeting. Not really that Im- it is important, but we don't want to show a big council meeting for no real reason, yeah. you know. Um, like I'm, I'm a big fan of Star Wars. You know, I love Star Wars. I, I used to be really into it, really into the kind of the legend stuff and yeah. and all that sort of stuff. But I'd never seen these, so these this was like a fresh experience for me. I'd heard very bad things. I remember the Ewok cartoon. I remember the droids cartoon, um, but I'd never yeah, seen yeah. these uh, specifically. I, I don't know if they are they on Disney Plus. They might be on Disney Plus. I think. I don't think these are. You know, I don't think the Ewok cartoon or the droids is either. Okay. Okay. Well, I, I know. I'll have to check. These Ewok films are definitely not on. No, I I know for a fact. Yeah, I know for a fact they're not. On. <laughs> I think I found a YouTube video going the two films, the Star Wars films that Disney does not want you to see. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not surprised. <laughs> yep. I'm. 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 I'm I, I kind of wish I hadn't dug this out in a way. <laughs> yeah. I mean. Yeah. When you mentioned it, I was already thinking about doing like a, you know, a fun kind of review. Um, for myself, it's weird. It's kind of like we both had like sort of like an interlocking, interdimensional thought process on mm. like, oh, what should we do to punish ourselves? Exactly. Like, I, I like went, a... oh, Ewok films. Then you messaged me going, do you want to do a podcast on the Ewok films? And I went, oh, God, it's aligned in the Star Destroyers. It is. Let's do it. <laughs> um, speaking of Ewoks, um, I've got uh, translations of, would you like to learn how to speak Ewokese, Andy? I would do, yeah. Will it will it help us get through the plot of this first film? <laughs> uh, probably. This is some, these are some of the words that are used in the film. Um, so, uh, yeeha is goodbye, or yeeha is goodbye. Yubnub, which you probably hear quite a lot, and, oh, yes. is, and is one of the songs I think by John Williams is hooray, basically. Yeah, well, yeah, that makes sense. Yubnub, yubnub, yubnub. Yep, no. Yeah. Uh, then you've got Akka, which is all right. Gunda, which is either good or yummy. Now, uh, Feech is an expletive. So IMDb have put dang here, but I like to think it's something a bit stronger than than dang. Feech. Ah, <laughs> oh, so, Feech. Whenever, whenever, whenever he walks in, ah, oh, Feech. I mean, it's going, oh, fuck it out. <laughs> Oh shit! <laughs> Wicket, what you done, your feet? <laughs> oh god! Oh Wicket! Oh Wicket! Um, yeah, there's a hey, few. There's a, wickets here. There's a few others. They're all on. There's a there's a few others. But they're all on IMDb. You can look them up and you know speak Ewok to your kids if you like. Because I mean, it'd probably be like a more interesting film than this anyway. Yeah, make your own Ewok adventure film. It's probably <laughs> better than this crap. Um, did you know that Robert Englund of Freddy Krueger fame was supposed to be uh, was, was auditioned for the role as the dad? Can yeah, ma- can you imagine Lucky that. Him. Lucky him. <laughs> dodged a bullet. You dodged a bullet, Freddy. Robert, Lucky you dodged him. a bullet. Dodged a full blown Death Star sized laser blast. So let's go. Back, let's go. Let's go back to the the acting. Let's talk about Mace. I fucking hate Mace. I fucking hate Mace with a passion. He it's- is horrible he's a bully he's self-obsessed he's self-involved you know even when the Ewoks are being nice they're doing all this stuff for him they're helping him out they're wanking off magic trees for fucking medicine you know <laughs> yeah they're doing they're doing all this 
and he criticizes them for it. Constantly. She needs more medicine. She needs more medicine. And the, the Ewoks are like, we're, we're trying, we're trying. And he's like, yeah, fuck you. We need more medicine. You're all useless. I hate you all. And yeah, and and like he he does soften over the film, but it's not like it it, it just happens. It doesn't like it's not like a gradual thing. Like yeah. oh oh, I'm really sorry. I've been treating you poorly. I just really miss my mum and dad or something like that. It's just like yeah, we, like, we it, could you could accept you could accept like desperation and fear. You know, oh okay, here we go. We've got Star Wars elements here: desperation, fear, anger. You know, it's it's great. Mm. It's Star Wars. No, yeah. it's nope. it's not. It's 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 more like Dungeons and Dragons with petulant children. And that's what I wanted to say as well. That it's more like Star Wars has always kind of been for me very Star Wars, like sci-fi fantasy. Like it's, there is, you know, the Force and the element. It's, I mean, it's kind of you know, it's sa- samurai, Akira Kurosawa samurai movies. It's King Arthur, you know, yeah. and and Star Trek and all kind of. It's a blending of all like good sort of ideas, like westerns, like you said, samurais. Arthurian legends and things like that, and here it almost it it gets rid of all that and focuses purely on the fantasy element. So it's more to do with magic and swords and trolls and monsters. And they it's, and they say enchanted forest as well. Like that, yeah. they 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 set that up quite early. It's an enchanted forest and there's magic, yeah. which I could buy because Endor's a huge forest moon. So obviously there's got to be some mysteries on it. Hmm. Yeah, but, of course. You know, I mean. You you found sort of like something that they've taken from this film and put it into official canon. And it's some weird little fairy things that the wi- Wisties they're called Wisties. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Wisties. See, I, even I don't know that. It yeah. just shows you the, the breadth and depth of bloody Star Wars official lore. But you know, they start they start off here, don't they? They they form a caravan. They call it a caravan to go and help the children find their parents. And this caravan consists of several Ewoks, including Wicket, played by Warwick Davis, yeah. which is, you know, great, you know, young Warwick Davis, about 14 in this film. He's good. He, he does what Wicket does. You know, he's got those mannerisms, those eclectic sort of mannerisms. Probably not enough for my liking compared to what we saw um, in Return of the Jedi. But they form this caravan and they, they go across, don't they? To you know, a long journey. They're essentially doing the fucking Fellowship of the Ring. It's yeah. Lord of the Rings. This film is Lord of the Rings. They're going across great distances to this magical monstrosity of a, a castle. Yeah, Man- and along the way, they come across these Wisties, and these Wisties, these little fairy things, have been brought into official Star Wars canon via Star Wars Battlefront Two, the game. The game is canon, and it's not canon in terms of story mode and certain character elements but you know in the broad sense like like these films it's not really full canon yeah i i think i think they like you said i think they bring in at the moment like a lot of stuff is still in the legends continuity which is out of canon and they bring they cherry pick elements or things that they want to use or they're like yeah yeah, i I remember that i used to quite like that part of star wars let's bring that back like the, these stories, these movies are not in canon and they can't really no. be uh, because, you know, even the first movie, they go, we help you. You know, they, they start to talk or they learn to talk and it's something that they don't have in Return of the Jedi, which is this is supposedly set before, but there's a lot of contradiction, contradicting timelines, like like it's set, you know, 25 yeah. years, 25 years after Return of the Jedi or it's set you know, um, just prior or a little bit after, 
like yeah. I, I, I couldn't find any any place to kind of really nail it down and say it's definitely here it's definitely at this point but the that goes to show that if it was why would wicket not be speaking english to leia doesn't make any sense exactly i mean it's this, this the whole journey that they go on is you know summed up by that really it's it's all convoluted like from the timeline setting to the destination where they go to on on endor just doesn't make sense so like you said there are several sort of opinions that this takes place just before the empire strikes back and the the reason why and these are all fan theories and the reason why wicket learns to speak english and then doesn't speak english to leia in return of the jedi is because the Tawani family are speaking a different language altogether. And to me, I just find that so like, oh, you ju- it's it's the one thing with fan theories. I love fan theories. I love fan fiction. But sometimes fan theories and fan fiction is used to cover heinous, deeply flawed cracks in narrative and character and just over, overall, you know, filmic quality, filmic techniques. Some of these fan theories, they're literally, they're, they do it for all media. They've done it for Marvel. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The current Star Wars, you know, with the Rise of Skywalker stuff, you know, with the, with the, the Ray and Kylo Ren stuff, you know, fan theories. I like fan theories. Don't get me wrong. I, I really do buy into them sometimes. I think, oh, that's a good, interesting theory, even with like Fight Club and things like that. But, you know, when, you try, when you're actively forcing something in to try and make something work, that's when you know the base material, in this case, these films, is fundamentally flawed and broken, absolutely broken. And during this journey, just to cement this broken thing, so we've established that the forest moon of Endor is the forest moon of Endor. And on their journey, they enter a massive fuck-off desert. It's established in the film that it's called the Forest Moon of Endor. I can buy mountains. We see mountains on Endor in Return of the Jedi. I can buy mountains. I, I can, you know, buy, you know, colder ecosystems. You know, you've, you've got Siberian forest with like a colder ecosystem. But the sheer fact that it's called the Forest Moon in this film, in Caravan of Courage and in the Battle for Endor, and yet they wallow into a massive, huge desert that has a huge castle in it. What? Where, where does this fit? Where does this come from? Oh, bullshit! Dear. Absolute well, bullshit. Yeah. No, I, I, I'll be honest. I had, a, I did a twelve-hour shift, and then I watched this movie directly after that. And the most fun I had was was your your Facebook message saying, Forest Moon of Endor, that's a massive fuck-off desert. I was crying. I was literally crying because that was the most fun I had with the film <laughs> up until that point. I mean, it, like, like I was saying, you know, either way you look at it, you can have, oh, well, you know, maybe they've got to have a desert because of the natural ecosystem of the planet. Well, no, because it's set... It's set in their canon and in this film's canon that it's called the Forest Moon. Ergo, it's entirely made of forest. Same if you have an ocean planet or a desert planet like Tatooine. Tatooine doesn't have a fucking rainforest. (laughs) It's a desert planet, for fuck's sake. This is a forest planet. Uh, It's like having having a desert on Hoth, you know, just bizarre. Exactly. Hoth is an ice planet. It's called that because that's what it is. That's the basic, that's how Star Wars works. It's so, the planets are so basic in Star Wars. You've got Mustafar, which is all lava. Brilliant. You've got Yavin, the big moon, which has, you know, a foresty base, but the big moon, the big planet of Yavin 
is a gas giant. It is basic because the planets aren't really that important. But then when you break the identity of the planet in your film, okay, <laughs> it stands out because you go, why, what, where's this come from? And then you go, why is there a castle on Endor? Does that mean there's a, an advanced civilization here? When we know that the Empire picked Endor to build the second Death Star because it was remote, because there was no intelligent life. And that was their downfall because they underestimated the Ewoks. So, oh, what have you done? If this is before, <laughs> What have you done? If this is set before Return of the Jedi, then it doesn't make any sense. If this is set after Return of the Jedi, it makes less sense because there's a fucking castle there. Oh, yeah, you, you you can't really place it. Let's be honest, you can't really yeah. place it. Um, like you were saying, like the like uh, the Gorax, the the villain of the movie, the monster, the giant. Yeah, great, great um, design. Yeah, I'll say that I actually, I actually quite enjoyed the Gorax. I was like, you know what? It fits. It fits Star Wars. I'd like to see the Gorax. It reminded me of the Womper on Hoth. I was like, brilliant. Bit too big. It's yeah. essentially a giant, but I was like, brilliant. That's Star Wars. That's the most Star Wars thing in this fucking film. And then they they also, like you said, they put it they put it in Battlefront. They put his uh, his cave where they go to at the finale of the film. They put his cave in there, and then there's the cage up there where um, Mace and uh, Sindel's family are, um, you know, trapped. So it's it's very much in canon. And those, you know, the logs that smash the ATA is it ATST or ATA? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those were designed for the Gorax. That trap yeah, was designed yeah. for the Gorax. So it's not like they've just, oh, we'll just string this together very quickly or see Ewoks. Like that's there for a reason because the Gorax will come and, and eat them. Um, so I always find, I find that interesting. I like that they've, that that's yeah. kind of still canon. That, that, I, I think that, that is, works. That is good use. That is a good use of, you know, terrible material. It's like, well, we, we know, we know how to factor this in we know how to you know bleed this into established canon and for all the the terribleness of some of disney's decisions it's little things like that that i go yes this is it this is why you shouldn't have put legends label on everything and cast it aside only to look back and go oh we'll bring that in like grand admiral thrawn we'll bring Mm. him in because he's actually good or darth revan from the knights of the old republic games we'll bring him in because he's actually good Mm. you know I do think it's like, oh, in hindsight, yeah. maybe Disney was a bit too rash. And I think they know that. They were a bit too rash to go, all of it before this doesn't work. It's not um, To be fair, like comic books do this all the time. They just, they do it. They they do yeah, the, right. they hit the reset button, hit the retcon button, and, it do, and they try and simplify it and, you know, knock it down and make sure everyone's on the same page yeah. so that, so they can get more readers and get more people. So I understand it. I get it. And I think, I think they still have that. Opp- I like that they still have the opportunity to pull. Like you still have that. They still own it. They still can do what they want. They can go. Oh, do you remember this thing from years ago? Like I know I've not seen the Mandalorian. I'm still going through Clone Wars, and I'm going to watch the Mandalorian after I've watched it all because I think it'll be a, a richer experience uh, once I've watched that in Rebels. But I've heard that there's a lot of like stuff behind the scenes, like you know Boba Fett's gun from the from the holiday special they use and unused artwork or creature designs and things like that they like the proper like star wars nerds over there and i think that's probably what's helping the success of the mandalorian and, and yeah. the various other stuff well, um, interesting enough there is a creature in the mandalorian in the first few episodes of the first season that appears in the second film battle for endor i can't remember what the creature is but it's like a two-legged creature with really tiny arms and oh it looks a bit like those um are they called the Jewbacks in, in Tatooine? They're not Jewbacks, but it looks like one. Yeah. It's, it's got a really big mouth, and they, they feature in the second one. 
and you know, the bad guys use them in the second one and in the Mandalorian Mando and a character called Kuil um is taught how he, he teaches Mando how to ride one so there's a little bit of sort of like oh, that was a good element let's put cherry pick that and put that into the Mandalorian yeah. and interestingly enough because that was all made stop mo- in stop motion for Battle for Endor those creatures mm. they used stop motion for those creatures when Mando's looking through his his binoculars oh them. really yeah so they, they did like a little homage to like uh, these were create originally created in stop motion mm. so when he looks at them from a distance in his binoculars they're stop motion there Obviously, they're not up close. You know, mm. they're used with CGI or whatever on models. Yeah, yeah. But it's a nice, there's a nice little thing there. So there are connective tissues. Yeah. These films aren't, you know, both these, Caravan of Courage and Battle for Endor, they do have moments that, you know, were there to be elevated to a higher plane. But just at the core of these, they're just, they're just a mess. Yeah, when you get to the end of this film, it's it just it, it falls away to insignificance. I mean, the journey, we've, we've told you the journey. There's nothing really much interesting in the journey, apart from yeah. they meet two other Ewoks uh, through weird circumstances that yeah. just go, yeah, we'll come along with you. Yeah, sure, why not? Um, I, I want to, I, I, you, you talked about being pulled out of the film by the desert. Like, that, that didn't occur to me at the time, but I got pulled out of the film because it features several real animals, like Earth you know, local animals. So you've got <laughs> you've got shots of rabbits, horses, owls, iguanas, mice, and ferrets. And I just went, sure, there's you know, these these characters are human, so there could be similar creatures within the the Star Wars galaxy that look like stuff yeah. from from our home planet, um, Earth. But it just I was just like, nah, you just fucking you've just put that in I'd, I'd rather have seen a puppet or something or an animatronic you know even that thing out that comes out of the tree and tries to to bite mace you know the tempter i think it's called or whatever yeah the tempter yeah Interesting uh, creature. i liked it yeah it was something different but I, I that i don't mind because that's star wars to me but seeing a fucking yeah. ferret i'm like well that's just fucking lazy you've just got an animal handler or you've just got somebody's fucking pet and put it in the shot. As an, there was an owl. I think I mentioned owls, but yeah. I, was just like, I was just like, like the owl I, features quite prominently as well. Yeah. I just, it just threw me completely out of film. I just, I just called bullshit on it. Like you said, with the desert, I just call it absolutely. I was just like, nah, bullshit. Um, you've not even tried. Why, why even put these in? Why even bother? Just you didn't, if you didn't include them, it would have been fine. And then one of them, one of them is just that the, you know, it's, it's, it's purely to show there's some magic. Let, let me talk about let me talk about these magical fucking things they're given by things low low gray. So they go on this journey on this quest. You know they assemble their team and they're all given a special thing. Um, you know most of them are just given these fucking Thor wings that they wear on their heads. And yeah, like, these are the wings of courage. These are the wings of hope. And it's like. It's, it's what you give to a child when they're about to go to the dentist. You know, like, <laughs> don't worry, this this will get you through. You'll be fine. What is it? It's the pen of mightiness. Um, you won't feel any pain. Yeah, it doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, w- Wicket gets a stick. Uh, Mace gets a stone, which he's fucked off about because he's fucked oh, off about everything. It really, oh god, it really fucked me off when they gave him the stone. And it's like it's like in Lord of the Rings. I mean, again, it's exactly like Lord of the Rings when Galad- Galadriel gives them all these gifts. It's like if when Frodo receives, receives the light of Elendil, if he just threw it on the floor and went, fuck off, that shit. Mace does that immediately, gets this stone and goes, oh, fuck off, that shit, and throws it to the floor. And then then buggers off, and Wicket goes, oh, that's a bit sad. 
picks up the stone and puts it in his pocket. Good old Wicket, because if Wicket hadn't done that, the ending of the film wouldn't fucking work. <laughs> part, part of me thinks as well is if they didn't use Wicket, half of these problems wouldn't occur. Like the time frame, they could have they could have set it whenever. They could have literally gone thousands of years before yeah, or, exactly. or thousands of years in the future. Yeah. Because they specifically use Wicket, that lip because he's the he's the he's the Ewoks, he's the the um bloody head honcho, the what's it? Uh, the Spelling point. He's, yeah. he's the marketing campaign, isn't he? Yeah, he's the he's the he's the mascot, isn't he? He's the mascot of the Ewoks. Um is the word I was looking for. But if they just didn't do that, I think you could have just all of those problems, half of those problems would be gone instantly. Yeah. Um, you know, him talking and all this stuff, because they could have learned to talk and then one of them died, like he died, and then, you know, it's a forgotten language then, and then thousands of years they, you know, you know, that castle could crumble and shit like that, you know. Yeah, exactly. But for, for the love of God, I mean, Star Wars is set in a galaxy, you know, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Long time ago being the operative thing. Yes. Why? And this is this is a thing that really is really bugging me about Star Wars in general. Why is everything set in this seventy-year period? Like the the oh, mm. I don't want to go into spoilers for what happens at the end of Mandalorian season two if you haven't seen it. Mm. But I'm just like, oh, it's great to see this character, but at the same time, show me something new. Yes. Show me something different. Take me somewhere else. There's a galaxy. Take me to somewhere else. I don't want to see all these retreads these these re that it's just it's like i don't mind fan service um if it's done right like for me i'm i'm sick of i'm sick of like i don't want to see wolverine in a film for another 15 years personally yeah neither do i i don't want to see if they bring back the x-men don't touch wolverine for ages because he was the face he was the mascot for that franchise and i'm sick to death as i love wolverine same with batman same with the Joker. Love all of them, but I'm sick to death of them. Absolutely sick to death of seeing different versions of them or seeing, you know, a different take on them. You know, just l- l- get a smaller character and lift that up. You know, yeah. you wouldn't have. We wouldn't have got the Avengers if they didn't. They didn't get all. They're like, what? What toys have we got left in our in our play chest? We've got all the Avengers. Okay, let's try and put a film franchise together. You know, nobody knew they wanted the Guardians of the Galaxy before we got the Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, so, exactly. So let's let's see something new. Well, something that, interesting. Again, that's it. No, nobody realised that we we wanted the Mandalorian, and yet we've got it. But then, what do they do in the second season? Which I, I do like the second season. They put Boba Fett in. I love Boba Fett. Like you said, I've got memorabilia up to my frigging eyeballs behind me of Boba Fett stuff. But what I love about that character is the mystery. I, I don't. He's like the mysterious stranger in these films, you know, these Western films. That's what it was for me. It was the mysterious stranger coming in and f- fucking shit up or saving people, whatever. Do I want to see a Boba Fett TV series? I don't really think so, to be quite honest. And you know, it's. I want to see these uh, these newer characters. These, you know, these other characters. Like having Ahsoka Tano get her live action stuff is great because she's a character not from mainstream. She's built up her credentials over the course of a, an animated TV series where everybody hated her at the start. But good writing, excellent character execution has brought her up to as high a level of say. Mace Windu or Count Dooku, you know, that level of interest, that level of cultism. You know, I want to see new interesting characters take me away. Star Wars has got a, a vast wealth of characters like Marvel. Yeah. 
show me these other characters, make up these other characters, bring in somebody from maybe legends that you you retconned, bring them back so that we can be taken away to a portion of the galaxy where the empire had no impact. The galactic civil war had no impact. And it comes back to like you were saying with this, with Wicket and the Ewoks, by sheer fact of having him front and center all of the time, you immediately create problems, which they, you know, it's not apparent when you're watching, but in hindsight, you go, yeah, none of this makes sense because he's there. How long do Ewoks live? You know, all of this, it just, it just, it just doesn't work. Which goes back to my other point earlier on about shoehorning in theories to try and make it work. Don't because it doesn't work and it shouldn't work. This is crap and it deserves to have been completely removed yeah. from full-blown canon whatsoever. And I know some people take their like you know I've done head canon. You know I you know I know you don't consider these Star Wars movies even though you know they were filmed on Skywalker Ranch. Produced, produced by Lucas. Environment, by the way, lovely environment. Yeah, absolutely lovely. <laughs> so it's you know it's it's written by Lucas, produced by Lucas. Even the um, the reshoots were shot by Lucas, directed yeah. by Lucas. You know, it's it, probably more Star Wars than Star most, Wars. Exactly, Lucasfilm, ILM. You know, it is a Star Wars movie. Again, not in canon, but it is a Star Wars movie. Any way you cut it, it is what it is. Um, right. You know, and and the same with the, the older Marvel movies. You know, they're not great, and I appreciate they're not great, but effectively they're still Marvel movies, not MCU movies, but they're still you know even 20th Century Fox and the Sony movies. They're still technically Marvel movies because they're based on those properties. But again, I might not. I, d- I don't hold them up because I you know even if I enjoy the shittier ones um you know uh 1990s captain america i'm looking at you um but yeah it's yeah it's one of them but before we've we've we have rambled on about this film and well not really talking about the actual film because i'll be honest there is not much to the actual film to talk well, about I mean, i'll be honest they, they, they get they get to the gorax's cave don't they and they climb this massive yeah there's a a suspended cage that has oh they fight that 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 spider they fight as well (laughs) is is the one of the worst puppets i've ever seen in my life that is awful it was horrific oh god what i love about it is the the they defeat the spider higher up don't they mason his is his gang of cronies uh ewoks they defeat the spider and the spider falls down the chasm doesn't it yeah but it lands directly next to sindel and wicket so then it attacks Wicket, <laughs> and he's like, you didn't solve the problem of defeating the spider, you just created an issue for your sister further down. <laughs> and it nearly kills him. It nearly kills Wicket. It's all over Wicket, and then he knives it to death, exactly like Sam does with Shelob in Lord of the Rings. Again, another frigging parallel to Lord of the Rings. And this is way before the films I'm talking about, the yeah. frigging books of Lord of the Rings. I think, I think Lucas just was like, I want to make Lord of the Rings, but I'll do it with the Ewoks. Yeah, yeah there you go. That'll that'll work. Because because they're, yeah. they're they're small. They're small. They can do it. You know. Yeah, they're they're, they're hobbits. Oh. Yeah, exactly. There you go. But it's yeah, it's just well, it's, it's a terrible puppet design. I mean, it doesn't even do anything. It just kind of goes, and then uh, Wicket stabs it. it to death repeatedly, and then that's it. You know, I'm sure we'll get on to the positives on, of these films eventually, if there are any. Really? But I, I actually, I actually, really? th- I actually think the best part of it is the actual Ewoks, like seeing their kind of culture and stuff, and they're pretty kick-ass. Like you see them fighting and stuff, but then again, it's still 
but but again, the focus isn't on the Ewoks. No, it's but, not, and that's annoying because it's like yeah. an Ewok adventure, but it's the children. Yeah, and the the end. I'm I have no idea. There's a they 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 get this kind of almost Native American Ewok to join them. I think it's like Chuka Suk or something like that. He's called yeah, with the axe he, with the axe. Yeah, and the the you know it's a show of strength and stuff. Um, and he sacrifices himself to save them all. And then Mace is like, "Oh no, you're dead. I'm so sorry. No, you're gonna live." You know. Um, yeah, but he cl- he climbs into the cage, like he, into the suspended cage, for no no reason whatsoever, no reason yeah. whatsoever. And it doesn't also, make any sense whatsoever. And also, they've got this. Where uh, are you going? Don't go there. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna get you're gonna die. Um, because sh- if anything, you're you're making less space for your, the parents to get out of the cage. I was just, yeah. What are you doing? Um, and then there's Don't that bit. Let out. <laughs> Don't get that- in there. <laughs> but you didn't go. What are you doing? <laughs> it's like, oh, it's all right in here. It's comfy. Um, but there's that bit as well when <laughs> there's that bit where they got the Gorax's axe and they use it as a springboard, and there is not enough leverage to for him to leap that high. That's like there's almost like well, I don't know six inches off, the, maybe like two yeah. foot two foot off the ground. There's not enough leverage for for two Ewoks to jump on that and for him to spring up. There's just not. Yeah. And, I hate to bring science into this because I'm not I'm not a very scientific guy, but uh, that was just oh, it's just horrific. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's just that's just that's just um, sort of like a filmic error, isn't it? I don't, yeah, I won't really put too much in that, but, no, but... We, we've we've seen this is the good thing we've seen like the Ewoks and their ingenuity. Like you were saying, they created all these traps um, that the Empire fell into and all that. I mean, you you messaged me about like the Ewoks creating like these massive holes with spikes in that stormtroopers fell into yeah. during the Battle of Endor, and you know they died. The stormtroopers died horrific deaths, and you do see that like in in Return of the Jedi, they get their heads caved in by these Ewoks. Yeah, you know, there's there's, there's pilots in these ATSTs when the two logs hit them, you know, they get squished. Oh, absolutely, you know, a lot of a lot of horrific deaths for the Empire in Return of the Jedi. And you see their level of ingenuity. You know, they create catapults and trebuchets and things like that. They're hardened. They're hardened warriors. Yeah. It's what yeah. they do. They, they, they are a warrior race, similar to the similar to the Wookies. And I think you know George Lucas probably wanted Wookies in Return of the Jedi, but it's to, you know it's probably more to do with like uh, cost. You know, extra actors. You know, I'm not I'm not going to say cheaper labor in hiring child actors, but you know it, that does fall into you know sort of like thought process but you know so it's it's understandable you know the ewoks would be quite ingenious in going oh well use this dead quickly that will get you up there let's go yeah they, they, they know this around they know how to use and manipulate you know basic sort of materials and things like that but yeah i mean the ending oh, it just oh, now it's rubbish exactly like Balrog as well in lord of the rings the gorax falls down like they, they trick the gorax he falls down the chasm doesn't he mm. And then, he comes, and then it, back. And it comes back like the spider, like the spider did. The exact yeah. same situation falls like down. Like the it comes back and yeah. creates another another bit of havoc. And mm. you know, but, but not in a not in a good way. Not like the film, the Lord of the Rings film does. You know, when it comes back and it's it's kind of a surprise and it's a shock. With this, it's just like, yeah, I'm back. I'm I, yeah. like so many you see, times. You see him go all the way into the abyss, don't you? And then yeah. you're like, oh, he's defeated. And the next thing, he's just like, hello, I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm back. Um, but yeah, I, I remember just like the pacing of this film is, you, it feels like it should be on TV because it, it has that kind of, it's a bit of a laborious, like I would I would pause like every 20 minutes to go like, how long is you left? You can see the ad breaks. You can yeah. see where the ad breaks are. 
yeah, it's just here, here, here. And I'm like, I'm like, oh, I could really do those ad breaks. This is just more walking. <laughs> yeah. Just more I like I've never begged for an ad more than watching this film. These I'm films. not gonna I'm not gonna lie. They're, they're like they're, they're, not, they're not short either. It's like no. 97 minutes, close to a hundred minutes. Mm. It's like, oh I paused a few times and went yeah. outside and shouted and screamed at the air and <laughs> I had, to re- I had to rewind a couple of times. I missed some some uh, yeah, I mean, very important elements. I did the same thing, and that just added to length of time watching this. So this this ninety seven minute film became a two and a half hour chore. I mean, I've had I've had I had more enjoyment watching Kingdom of Heaven, the director's cut, which is like three and a half hours long, compared to this piece of crap. You know what I mean? It's just like ah. <laughs> oh. Oh, I want to. I want to just go back to the narration as well. The the narration we love, like it's done very well, and he's got a good voice. The guy who does it. Yeah, yeah. But, I, I checked out to see if he was like. Cause it sounded a bit sort of like Native American. Here, mm. I checked out to see if he was like maybe a Native American. He's not. He's not. He was no. You know, just a, a regular guy. And yeah. yeah, I was trying to trying to see what else he'd done. Yeah, he's. Is I think I. I think he's probably more famous in America than than over here. I think he's probably got a more familiar voice than than we would know, but. Um, when they're giving it again, going back to those lovely magical items that they were all given, including the the stick and the stone and the arrowhead and all that other bollocks. All uh, a bit useless. There's there's a bit where Mace says, "What are these for?" And immediately the narrator answers his question, like immediately he goes, yeah. "What are these for?" And he goes, "Well, they're for this." And I'm like, "Are you fucking talking to Mace at this Is point?" This God. <laughs> yeah, you're like, don't worry, Mace, it's this. You know, because obviously, again, the Ewoks can't talk. They can't explain everything. Um, you know, they've got a magic dreidel. They've got all this other magic stuff. And I, I was just like, oh. But the the, the the piece de resistance of bad narration is, comes right at the end when the parents are reunited with Sindel and Mace. Everything's happy. The Ewoks, and he goes, he goes um, what does he say? I think I've got it written down here. <laughs> Really, really, it proper fucked me off after after watching it. It goes now we've all, it goes. Luckily, uh, you know the danger is over, and we've learnt something we already knew that hope and light uh, are the strongest forces in the galaxy. And I went, we learnt something we already knew. So yeah. what was the fucking point of this film? What was the fucking yeah. point of anything of watching this if we we're already learning a lesson we already know? Yeah. Why the fuck did you just tap? You could have just you didn't even need that narration. You could have just left it and just gone. The reunited, you know, and just you know played some fucking John Williams or something. But no, you had to just go. We learned a lesson we already knew. Thanks for that. Thanks for wasting an hour and thirty-seven minutes and closer to two and a half hours with all the pausing and rewinding. Fuck me. Caravan of Courage can fuck right up. <laughs> <laughs> that is the cherry on the cake for Caravan of Fucking Courage. Um, we've spent you know, almost, we've spent almost an hour just talking about the first film. Well, just just to like cement like one the one thing that I did actually like with these films is the score and the set. I think to a degree. The score is pretty good um, by Peter Bernstein, or B- Bernstein, whichever. I probably said that horribly wrong. Apologies, Peter, if you're still with us. Um, but yeah, there is not much I can take away from this film at all. Not much whatsoever. Like even like the magic elements and the narration. Why didn't they just use the fucking force? Just you've got magic. 
I don't mind magic. There is magic in Star Wars to a degree, yeah, which yeah. we'll get into when we talk about the next film. Mm. But some of these elements in here, I'm like, you can explain this by simply going, it's the force. Where, where, where Mace is being, you know, asking questions and you hear the narrator, you know, he could have done something really crazy there. Is Mace tapping into the force? Does he hear the narrator? Is the narrator sort of like echoing what Mace is experiencing through the force? You know, similar to what Obi-Wan does and what Qui-Gon does, you know, when they're a part of the force. Mm. You know, is, is that what it is? Is that where it's aiming? Is that where it's taking us? You know, maybe Mace experiences anger, fear and all this, which Anakin experiences. You know, is this a precursor to the prequel trilogy? Mm. Was it? Well, no, in, in, in the end it isn't because nothing ever comes of this shit. That's, that's one of my biggest problems with this is like the opportunity is there to really, really make these characters interesting you know, if they were to take it further. And it, it, within the first five minutes of Battle 4 Endor, it's all undone. It's all fucking wasted. It's, yeah. So you've got you've got that lo- lovely ending, my favourite bit of ending, that oh, yeah. narration. Yeah. And then Caravan of it. Courage ends, they're all happy, they all go to cry, try and fix their ship, don't they? That's right. Should we, um, I, I tell you what, let's, I think I, I think I need a break anyway. <laughs> yeah, I need a coffee. I uh, so, uh, so, so, um, yeah. There's, there's that. Uh, there's that caravan of courage. Um, I think, I think we'll need uh, time to, uh, to reassess. So let's, let's have a coffee and reconvene to talk yes. about Battle for Endor, because uh, there's also, there's also a lot I want to say about Battle for Endor. So, uh, so do uh, I. Dear, dear listener, <laughs> come along uh, with us. Along yeah, this we've, we've absolute insanity. Caravan of crap. Caravan of ass. <laughs> Caravan of shite, caravan of feet. There we go. <laughs> absolute. This is an absolute caravan of feet. <laughs> anyway, we'll take we'll take a breather, and we're going to be right back, guys. Um, stay tuned for more excellent Star Wars content. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>